0: Welcome to the Breadwinners. I'm Jennifer Owens.
1: I'm Rachel Ellison.
0: This is the show where we talk about everything about work and family, which means essentially all of our lives. These are the days (laughs) of our lives. Now, I'm already cracking myself up. So to top of the show, the best way to support us is to rate and review our show wherever you get our show. I know that every show says this, but it's really true. It really does help. So uh, follow us at our socials. Which are mostly breadwinners, sending questions and comments our way, checking out our breadwinners merch at the link in the episode description. Hey, you know, how do you want to start the new year, but with breadwinners merch? Exactly. <laughs> so, this season, we are starting something new. We are looking each week at a concept or a trend or something we just all know about working and women. And we're attempting to Track it all back to where it starts. And once again, with this episode in particular, my goal is to blow Raquel's mind mm-hmm. with my findings, or at least, you know, mildly surprise her and impress her with my tiny amount of knowledge. So, you know, are you ready to get to work, Raquel? I am ready. Let's do it. So, uh, first, how's your bread winning going? Super awesome, as always. Super, super awesome.
1: Winning all the bread, sourdough. Here we go.
0: (laughs) Okay. Totally. I'm totally taking us off track already. So my son is now in person in uh, high school. So, you know, yay. Yay. Which means I'm back to making lunches, which sucks. Boo. Right, Right. And I've been thinking, so he's a teenager now and he's only now learning about sandwiches. He's never been a sandwich kid. I know it's really weird, but. We've been trying different kinds of bread to find out what kind of bread he likes because he's this old oh. and he's never really had sandwich bread before. So I, I am thinking like, ooh, maybe maybe it'll turn out he's a sourdough bread guy. These, this ooh. is what goes on in our family. <laughs> <laughs> bread experiments. So we're winning. We'll see which bread wins. See how I brought that back? You did. <laughs> you just totally full circle. I really did. So anyway, so this week we're going to be joining together to discuss the first letters of the work-life alphabet. F-M-L-A. F-F. Give me an F. (laughs) Give me an M. So F-M-L-A. So uh, we know it, those of us who have taken it, know about it, think about it. It's the Family Medical Leave Act, and it passed with bipartisan support in 1993, and Miss Raquel, do you know why I know this date so clearly? No, give it to me. Because I needed access to family medical leave exactly the year before it was signed. So, and I didn't have it. And so I am very, very aware of when FMLA was signed. And so we're going to get into that, but because I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm going to start us off with a quiz. Did you do the uh, pre-show homework? (laughs) Okay, here's the quiz. You know, and I know, if, if you ever read any story about FMLA and paid leave and all the like, it always starts with the U.S. is the only first world country without a paid leave law. And now, do you know what the current number is of other countries that also don't have federally mandated paid leave? Where are we now? Where are we now?
1: Oh. I can't even do this. All like all that comes to mind when we talk about we talk about this is Papua New Guinea.
0: <laughs> well, the answer is six, and Papua New Guinea is still one of them. And back in the day when I would do these stories for a Working Mother, it was really hard to get the names of the other countries. We've gotten it now. We have them. Uh-huh. Because the list is so ridiculous. Can you name the five other countries? Um <laughs> <laughs> no, you cannot, but... Um, I cannot, I cannot. Okay, here they are. I'm going to just tell you.
1: Is here. Suriname?
0: No, it was, and now is no longer. How about okay. that? Okay, all uh, right. Because the list used to be eight, and then, yeah. So here, I'm going to give you the list. You can read off the list.
1: Marshall Islands, the Federated States of Micronesia, Nauru, Palau. Papua New Guinea, and
0: Tonga. There you go. There you (laughs) go. Oh, and of course, the United States. So as I was thinking when I was putting notes together for this, one of these things is really not like the other. (laughs) It's like, how did we not get here? So, Yeah,
1: that's a good question.
0: In our... Previous episode, we talked about the phrase working mothers and how it came into use in the 80s as college-educated white women flooded into the workforce. Public policy was still trying to catch up to the changes that brought on, and feminists were pushing for basic changes. So I'm going to take you back to 1972, and the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, drafted guidelines that required employers to treat disabilities resulting from pregnancy, such as miscarriage, abortion, childbirth, and recovery. And they said, I mean, you got to start treating this as any other temporary disability. Which, side note, what do you think about calling pregnancy a uh, disability?
1: That's a good question. You know, I think I go both ways yeah. on that question. Because on the one hand, I, they're you know, we don't want to characterize it in a negative way. It's pregnancy and it cause, and there are ways in which it compromises your, your system. Right. Yeah. And that's accurate. So I don't know. Good question though.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, you get also that it's, you know, it's the government, and they're trying to kind of categorize stuff and you know, what other word do you have there? But it's always like, You know, because you get many companies use short-term disability to pay for it. Like, uh, well, yeah, I guess. Also, it's often the first time you've had something major, like if you, especially if you had a C-section or the like, where you truly need to recover. And that is, you know, short-term disability, you know. Right. So I get it. It just always, it it always like rings like, oh, you know, like what's happening with that? No,
1: No. that's not the phrase that we want
0: to be hearing. So... (laughs) Your child and my child is perfect. Don't call me disabled. Okay, so that was 1972. So in 1978, the Pregnancy Discrimination Act amended Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Act to prohibit discrimination on the basis of pregnancy, childbirth, or related medical conditions. So you really get the sense of them like taking frameworks that they have and trying to, mm-hmm. you know. Slot. Yeah. Slot and and add in and just be trying to be clear that this is happening. Now I know from the work that the Better Balance does around the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, there are a lot of, a lot of problems with the way it's structured, and one of which is that if you are claiming that you're being discriminated against as a pregnant woman, you have to first be able to document it. But Which, you know, on the surface goes, oh, okay. But you need to be able to know how other people were treated for other disabilities. So someone needs a chair because their leg, they can't stand at a conveyor belt or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You have to know how they were treated and then dial it back and know how you were treated. And it's a lot of work. And by the time you actually get this going, you've had that baby. Oh, wow. And so it's different than, I believe, and now I'm, I'm a little off the uh, my notes for this stuff, but other her- forms of harassment, uh, there's an assumption that they're, you're coming forward and you start from the idea of you have an issue and now let's deal from it from there. For pregnancy discrimination, you have to go define the issue before you can bring it back and say, it's happening to me. So, it's just super hard, and that's why yes. the, the way it's the way the law looks at it has to be changed, and that's the, a lot of the work that that they work on is trying to get Pregnancy Discrimination Act to the point where you can just start. You there, it's defined, and you can say it's happened to me, mm-hmm. and now let's trigger the various things that happen. So, so in any case, we're looking at the um, we've gone back to the 1964 Civil Rights Act. And looking at, you know, that's where Title Nine comes from. This is Title Seven. And now they've added this amendment to it to say, don't be picking up people for being pregnant. Because as we remember, this is you get pregnant, you lose your job, you get married, right. you lose your job. This is not that far in the past that all this stuff was happening. So Yeah. And mind you, people are still facing pregnancy discrimination all the time in this country. Yeah. It, it did not go away with that law. Nope. So these laws were meant to protect us as we entered the workplace, but <laughs> as I wrote there there weren't many protections yet for when we had to step away from the workplace. So, right, you know, it takes a while for you know society to catch up, and then the laws to catch up. So, Megan Scholer, who was a lecturer at Loyola, Loyola University of Chicago, talks about the history of paid leave in her 2016 book, "Getting Paid While Taking Time." And uh, so I, I'm pulling a lot of notes from Dr. Scholler. So thank you so much oh, for putting this street together. So did you know the song, I'm just a bill. I am only a bill because I'm going to reference that in this. <laughs> yeah. And can you sing it now? <laughs> no, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Was it bill on Capitol Hill, mm-hmm. but
0: how's it go? Oh, uh, Oh my god, now I'm just a Bill. Yes, I'm only a Bill. Only a Bill. And I'm waiting here on Capitol. Hill. Hill. Right. So this is this is basically the history of FMLA. So we're gonna cast her memory back to 1984. Okay. This is the earliest version of what will become FMLA, and it's called the Family Employment Security Act. Or okay. FESA. We could have had a different alphabet. So how many weeks do you think they called for? Two. <laughs> actually, completely the opposite. 26. Oh, wow. Yep. they uh, It called for 26 weeks per year of, actually, and it was unpaid job-protected leave to care for a new child, a child's illness, a spouse's disability, or an employee's own disability. Oh, wow. She said... In a concern as old as time, she notes that most activists wanted paid leave, but they worried such a bill wouldn't pass. Mm-mm, I don't yes. know where she gets that idea from. I mean, I, that just seems so, so freaking stupid.
1: <laughs> no, such an unfamiliar Come, on. unfamiliar. Come
0: on. So Fezza was never formally introduced into Congress, but it threw up a grappling hook to get the climb started. And now mm-hmm. we will sing Miley Cyrus. Maybe we need to a playlist. It's the club. So, um... I don't know that one. Oh, my goodness. I I will be sending this to you afterwards. And I will be (laughs) linking to it in the show notes. Though everyone else listening to this knows this song. So, I think you do, too. I swear to goodness, you do. But Okay. Okay. So, now we're in 1985. 85 rules, as people in my high school would have said. Pat Schroeder, the representative from Colorado introduced the Parental and Disability Leave Act, which mandated 18 weeks of unpaid job-protected leave for new parents and 26 weeks to care for a sick child or an employee's own temporary disability. And this made it through two House sub- subcommittees before it stalled. Huh. So, man, so we're into the 80s. Yeah. And then... 86, we get the Parental and Medical Leave Act. You know, our name is starting to come together, you know. Good, this is good. like the rewrites on the movie, you know. Right. Okay, so maybe we need a bump, bump, bump. Now the Republicans get involved because now it's past subcommittees. So right. they've pushed the company size up from five employees to 15 employees, which is FMLA is what? What's the, is it 50? 50 employees living, you know, so early on the act is kind of like, you know, you just need to be a company and now they're starting to pull it up. So they also set eligibility requirements at 500 hours or three months of employment. And they changed the total time for either medical or parental leave to 36 weeks (gasps) over a two year period. Oh, so yeah. And then the AARP also got involved because they said this would be great for caring for a spouse or an elderly parent. And that's when it became Family Medical Leave Act. Ta-da! Oh! Yeah. Which is, isn't it funny? It's like, oh, well, kind of, of course, the AARP would see this as a spouse. You know, that's the topics they're caring for. And, um, you know, I don't know. It's, we're in we're a pretty good point at this point. Yeah. So you think, you know, like, it's, like this is the point it's compromise we're getting all this stuff together we're doing stuff and so if you remember i'm just a bill he sits there on capitol hill yeah the little boy comes up and he sings a song and he's like oh you know this is so great and so and then he walks on after a while after the community hearings that's my favorite part of i'm just a bill and uh and all is well and he gets stamped into law and that is exactly not what happened to fmla (laughs) It is exactly the opposite story. Yeah. So despite all the hard work, all the compromises, there's a 1990 version of FMLA, and it is put forth to President George Herbert Walker Bush, who immediately vetoes it. And he declares that he supports family medical leave, but only when it's allowed to be provided voluntarily. And so I just sent you his take on FMLA. Would you okay. like to be George H.W. Bush for us?
1: Yes, I can't do the voice though. So it's just <laughs> just going right. to be me. I want to strongly reiterate that I've always supported employer policies to give time off for a child's birth or adoption or for family illness and believe it's important that employers offer these benefits. I object, however, to the federal government mandating leave policies for America's employers and workforce. Great. <laughs>
0: So, so I'm all for workplace policies to give time off and the like, but I object to doing anything about it. Yeah. And, uh, spoiler alert, it's, it comes up to him again and he vetoes it again a year later. Got it. All right. I Herbert Walker. Yeah. He just, you know, and, uh, mind you, he, his career was in public service, so he always had some sort of paid leave. Right. You know, he had paid time off, paid vacation, you know, because that's what the federal government offers. So, yeah. Uh, No, though not necessarily FMLA, because that'll come later. But, you know, yeah. So, if I may remind you of my story, these are the years that a certain young cub, starry-eyed cub reporter named Jennifer gets a Mm. job in Greenville, South Carolina, and... I don't know if things are like this today. I hope not. But the deal with the way you accrued vacation time when I was starting out at this newspaper was I think we got like well, we got a couple paid holidays. There you go. But I did not get my full vacation time like a t- my 2 weeks vacation until I had worked there a year. So, my, my mom received her cancer diagnosis, mm. and I didn't have any vacation time. I just started. It was like I was six or seven months into this job. And I went and talked to my editors at the newspaper. And I've told this story before because it's a freaking true story. And their response to me was, isn't there someone else who could take care of your mom? And wow, honest God, no. But also, who are you to say that to me? It's your mother. Yeah. So I asked for unpaid leave, you know, could I like just go for a week or two and, and mm-hmm. they wouldn't let me do it. And I was terrified of losing my job. And so I worked it out with my mom, The like she, like, I remember going and, and doing it so I could tag it on to a weekend. And I think I had four days home and uh, I had no money. So I had to drive and come back since so time was there, you know, but yeah, this is what I had to do to keep my job and left my mom in a network of care with her girlfriends. But that's not the way I wanted to do that. You know?
1: Right. No,
0: no. So yeah, that's what life was like kids before family medical leave act that you would have no rights I could do it, but I could lose my job. Yeah. So, mm. anywho, and also awesome job, uh, Greenville News. Awesome. So, <laughs> nice way to support your your uh, workforce there. But because they're they're actually as much as like the villains are like you know it, like Congress is at least trying. They put it forth t- twice t- to Bush, you know. But it's the workplace that's so they could have voluntarily given me that.
1: They could have, yeah.
0: But they didn't. They did not. So, which makes it unfair. It's a basic concept of fairness, you know, that, I don't know. Had I worked at the Anderson News in the next county over, could I have had, because they would offer it? That's part of the whole employer lottery on benefits anyways. But, you know, and you never know you need this stuff until Until you need need it. Yeah. So back to our story. So now it's 1992 and a certain saxophone playing candidate named Bill Clinton. So I guess in reading Dr. Schuller's work, talking about how Bush was trying his dangest not to like make a big deal out of, you know, like I care about leave. I just want it to be voluntary. You know, no, no big deal. No big deal. So Clinton played this up during all of his his first run for the presidency and he promised to support FMLA, and he did. And when he took office in January 1993, FMLA was the first major piece of legislation he signed into law. Hey! hey. So, um, like uh, Obama and the Lilly Better Act, you know? It's oh, like yeah. Always, always has to be, you know, something good. I'm glad the women get the first act. It'd be really nice if we got all the other ones, too, but, you know, we'll take the first one. <laughs> That's true. So... So, but, of course, you know the things of FMLA. It wasn't paid, or it isn't nope. paid. No, nope. And we'd gotten it down to 12 weeks now. So, you know, that's what got passed. Right. And uh, the thought was that, of course, a paid leave would be right around the corner, right? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and FMLA covered everyone, right? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> So as someone who covers a lot of, you know, these FMLA issues, you know, they come into the workplace, do you have a sense of how long it took them? Uh, Well, Hmm. A, originally, wasn't it something like 40% of employees were covered by FMLA? Uh Uh-huh. Because it's, and what does that? Is that the, the company size, the 50, you have to have, FMLA doesn't impact your company unless you have 50 more employees in one location. Within a, yeah. Within think it's within, within, the,
1: a, seven, 75, within a radius, 75-mile radius, yeah.
0: And then uh, the employees have to have worked, I think, 1,200 hours in a year. You have to basically kind of prove yourself to be an employee of the 50-person or plus company to get at it. Yeah. And then, though, there were also carve-outs. Like, so, let's see, there's one where, oh... So 15 years passed before the FMLA was amended for the first time. And so they kept ma- making changes to add more and more people. In 2008 and 2009, the ex- uh, Congress expanded the leave coverage for workers who have a family member in the military. What an odd carve out, isn't it? That yeah. you would cover military families. Yeah. I, I, and like we could do, like, I don't, I like who they defined and why I didn't go full on deep into that, but like, what? I remember that one and, and being surprised back then that the military somehow excluded you from FMLA again, unpaid leave. Right. And also doesn't it say the FMLA does not guarantee your job back. It guarantees you a similar job, Right. It's not, it's, they don't have a, a requirement to hold your exact job. Right. So, no, there's is, is some issues. So, um, in 2009, the law was amended again to acknowledge that FMLA has special rules that apply to airline pilots, flight attendants, and other airline crew members. Which, it's it's interesting, I, I, I that th- that's another one to go deep. But acknowledge yeah. that FMLA has special rules that apply to the way eligibility is calculated for the airline pilots, flight attendants, and other airline crew members. I'm not even sure. I wrote that down. Yeah. I'm not even sure what that means. Like we're just gonna acknowledge that we're treating you differently. <laughs> I, I and so then if something happens up in the air. Yeah, you can't take leave. <laughs> 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 okay, I might be for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. And then 2015. The Department of Labor revised the definition because that's always a thing that as they execute this stuff, like the agencies are able to like they have power within these laws. Right. So Mm -hmm, um, they defined mm -hmm. spouse under FMLA to ensure that legal same sex marriage qualifies as a spouse and Mm -hmm. that can take FMLA to care for their spouse or family member, regardless of their state of residence. So, hmm. you know, you wonder what was <laughs> what was happening there, but... Yeah, not entirely sure. Today, we're up to 56% of employees are now covered by FMLA. Oh. Which seems hey. real slow. Yeah, 56. I mean, my goodness. I mean, so, uh, and right now as we record this... Paid leave, I was just on a call yesterday and talking about the fight for paid leave continues. It seems to all be, hopefully when you hear this episode, it will have passed, all will be well, right with the world (laughs) and it will be the end of Christmas story and we'll have gotten four weeks. But there's a lot of, uh, it's, it's a lot of advocating to Joe Manchin in West Virginia because he seems to be the key to that, that falling out of the bill. It's already fallen out of the bill. And the outcry was such, which thank you to everyone that puts time to uh, say these things and say this is wrong, but put it back in for consideration. But it's not it's not there. It seems like the easiest thing to include in the bill. <laughs> right. Because, you know, we're talking about, I based on the Family Act, the Family Act is based on a, unemployment insurance approach where we're all putting in a, a tiny sliver of our pay into an insurance fund that we then pull from when we need it. So right. just pay for it. <laughs> just let <laughs> us have it. You know, why Why can't we have nice things? So
1: why can't we have nice
0: things? So true? I'm going to uh, quiz you now because, you know, who doesn't want to be quizzed, you know, during a, a live show? So there we go. Are oh, you ready? Boy. I don't know. Here we go. Here we go. Lightning round. How many Americans want paid leave?
1: Oh, interesting. I should know this one.
0: It's in the... Nope. Higher than that.
1: Oh, it's in the... I
0: was in the 70s, so it's it's 86%. Pretty close. 84%. 84% of likely voters. I'll give you that. I'll say you got that right. I'm going to write that down. If I had a pencil, (laughs) I'd write that down, but I dropped my pencil before and I do not have it. 84% of likely voters, which includes 74% of Republicans, and 74% of Republicans, and then it said, um, this is from a a poll commissioned by paid leave for all action fund. 55% of surveyed Republicans would support a federal leave standard, even if they had to pay more in taxes to sustain it. Everybody wants paid leave. Why is this ever... (laughs) Can't tell me why this is a thing? Why? I don't know. Is there anything that we that all agree on? What? Is there anything in this country we all agree on other than we would like a little time to care for our family? Okay? How many Americans have access to paid leave currently? 16%? You you're pretty good. It's 21%, but you know, Oh, it's
1: gone up. So the last time, yeah, the last time I in like 2017 was the last time I knew this number for sure. So it's, it's
0: gone. Yeah, right? It, it, it Same for me. They're like, oh, the number, like, oh, it used to always be eight countries didn't have paid leave. You know, now it's six. Yeah. Currently, 21% of US workers have access to paid family leave and less than half of us have emergency medical leave. So about 40%. So, which I take to mean like short-term disability. I think, you know, it, Everybody calls it something different. Of all who do have, this is a tough one. Okay, so focus on the structure of my question. I swear to God, it makes it. Of all who take FMLA leave, how many do it for themselves, for their own health? I have no idea what the answer to that question is. Just over half. Really? Actually using FMLA for our own health. Huh. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I, I could it's right. The argument is always talking about new babies, your spouse, and others. Though just over half also means half is almost half is for others, but the need to take care of ourselves is is vitally important too. And I yeah. like I, my mind immediately goes to: Is there a marketing pitch to be made that way, talking about individuals or or? does it go down easier for the people who don't seem to like it that it's for others in your family? I don't know which, which would go better because is it like we're all lazy and we're going to use it? You know, you know, there's always a sense that we're going to take advantage and not go to work and you know, for our unpaid leave. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, exactly. That's what we all want.
0: Yeah. So right now the bill that Biden has, it just, it got out of the house as we're recording this, it's four weeks of paid family and medical leave down from the 12 that was initially proposed in the Democrats spending bet plan. You know, it would get us off the, uh, the, you know, the six lists, you know, like, no, whatever. But Claire Kane Miller in the upshot in the times Mm, did an interesting rundown, which I'm going to share with you that even if we get it, we're still an outlier. Really? Yes, so check out what I sent you.
1: Okay. So of the 186 countries that offer paid leave for new mothers, only one, okay, what the four country formerly known as Swaziland. <laughs> I'll give you that. <laughs> Thank you. Offers fewer than 4 weeks. Of the 174 countries that offer paid leave for a personal health problem, just 26 offer 4 weeks or fewer, according to data from the World Policy Analysis Center at the at UCLA.
0: So, and here comes
1: one more stat for you. Globally, the average paid maternity leave is 29 weeks. And the average paid paternity leave is 16 weeks. The center's data shows up to 2019. Isn't that amazing? Yeah.
0: I think I'm so conditioned to think, you know, it's 12, 12, 12, that the global average paid maternity leave is 29 and the paternity is 16. Yeah. And, and it might immediately go, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. You know, or maybe it's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I mean,
1: we're like, we're conditioned to think that like the
0: smallest, this. St- yeah. Right. That, that like, all we're, you we're, need is. Yeah. Roll up your sleeves. I'll get back to work. And, and uh, we're bootstrapping our way through uh, childbirth. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> oh, it's just, you know. It's tiring, but here I'm sending you uh, one more uh, thing from her story. One of the good news aspects of how the U.S. would do paid leave.
1: There's one element of the paid leave proposal, however, that would put United States at the forefront internationally. It's a very broad definition of family and caregiving. It would. That's my my right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my reaction. It would cover care for all types of loved ones, including in-laws, domestic partners, and people who are the equivalent of family.
0: Hmm. So isn't that interesting? Like, we have have the broader mindset here in the U.S. of something we don't offer. But she was saying that um, existing leave policies in the U.S. that, you know, because as we know, as you as I know, there are states and cities that have paid leave laws already, and uh, New York had just added some aspects to theirs, and that we already had a broader definition of caregiving, largely because we started this whole process so late. And so many of the countries started adding paid maternity leave in the 1920s. And because FMLA dates from the 90s for us, the working motherness of what the workplaces demanded, you know, because women had... We're so deep into the workplace by the time we started needing the, or talking about this stuff. We are broader than those who were like the 20s. Isn't that nuts?
1: That is nuts.
0: <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I mean, do you think uh, part of me thinks of it's akin to um, like same-sex marriage or the like, like, you know, oh, my God, the apocalypse is going to come if we have this. Right. Right. I say that if we actually pay pass paid leave or smoking in airplanes and movie theaters, like if we can't do that, you know, the entire industry (laughs) is going to die. They were literally, when they they banned smoking, because I think you were in the city for that. Like there were posters of like, you're going to kill movie theaters if they can't smoke in movie theaters. You know, if you can't smoke in restaurants, the entire hospitality industry is (laughs) going to die. Like, what are we talking about here? Like if we pass paid leave, I think it will be, There'll be much rejoicing and then life will move on. I don't think the apocalypse is gonna come because we I don't think so. No. No.
1: I think no, it's it's uh I'm hoping that like we you know we can look back the way we're looking back on smoking in movie theaters. Right? Right? And be like
0: And please not to equate same-sex marriage with smoking in movie theaters, (laughs) though that is kind of glamorous and like <laughs> but say, just these things where like the pushback has always been the entire world's going to collapse. Right. They say, Oh, this change is going to kill us, man. The society is going to be wrenched in two. And uh, like, I don't even know why. Yeah. I guess paid leave. It, you're going to destroy small businesses. Every small business is going to die. right? Yeah. And for the state and yet, we have states, you know, we early on back in the, my working mother days, you always put pointed to New Jersey and California sure. because they're, they're first ones to offer it statewide. And guess what? Their economies are doing fine and people take paid leave. Right. So I think we can handle it. People, I am going to go out on a limb and say, I think paid leave could work. I, and I, <laughs> you know, let's leave it to the Marshall Islands and Papua New Guinea to deal with, you know? Exactly. Exactly. I mean my goodness. So but so that's the history of paid leave. Woo! It had ups, it had downs. There were saxophones. <laughs> there were <laughs> vetoes twice. I did not realize it got vetoed twice, I must say. Yep. Yeah, no, I didn't either. Yeah. So uh yeah, so here's to it coming for all people yes, across all the nation. Here's to another chapter. And here's to us doing an episode where we start arguing why we need more weeks of paid leave.
1: Ah, I love it. I love it. Let's plan it for 2020.
0: <laughs> what year are you giving it to us? <laughs> I'm not. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, have a great week winning bread. Yeah, you too.
1: All we right. Until this, next time. Bread winners. See ya